Hello. I just had to make sure it was recording because I still don't know how to use my microphone and I've been doing this for, don't ask me how long I've been using this mic. It's not important. I know what I'm doing now. Uh, this is Jacqueline Kitzman. It's the Awaken Daryl podcast. As far as housekeeping goes, I don't really have much in the way of that. Um, other than Gabe and I are in the process of trying to figure out how to make merch. My current idea with merch is to start off with just our logo the idea essentially being that any money we make from those main locos being donated 100% of the proceeds to different charities voted on within Patreon so that we're able to do some fucking good, okay? Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, just a little bit of some good here. Basically, it's doing something more than me just giving current events on a podcast. Um, I feel good about that. So, And I'll let you know when that comes to fruition. But again, the idea would be that 100% of the proceeds from the main logo would go to a charity voted voted on within the Awakened Tarot Patreon. With all of that out, let's jump into current events. So first and foremost, kind of the big news from this week is what's going on with Ukraine. Like, you know, there's a reason we continuously talk about this war that's happening in Ukraine. And that is because Ukraine is kind of known as the breadbasket of the world. Essentially, Ukraine has a lot of wheat farmers and a lot of the wheat and a lot of the bread products that, you know, we get or that the world gets, it comes from this part of the world. Um, last year, sometime, Turkey was able to negotiate a deal with Russia that basically made it so that they could still export wheat and other, you know, grains, you know, through the Black Sea. Russia has come out earlier this week and said they are going to not be upkeeping that treaty. So what does that mean? Is bread and grain and other food going to immediately get more expensive? No, but it will. We won't feel the effects of this here in America immediately, but we will eventually feel it. You know, inflation, we're already seeing a rise in inflation and in groceries and all of that. So we'll see an even bigger increase in that. But more than that, you know, people in Ukraine who relied on a lot of their farming and a lot of their farmers to to have food and to produce enough food for their country, they're going to be feeling the effects of this immediately if they have not already been feeling the effects of this for over a year. Kind of like examining like how the collective energy works. When things, when actual tragedies happen, there is a shockwave and a ripple effect. What could the U.S. do to, well, I'm not an economist. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just a girl who went to college for teaching and uh, creative writing. And now I talk about cards on the internet. When people raise the question, why are we still donating money in the quantities that we are to help Ukraine? Um, it's because Ukraine is so close to NATO boundaries. It is also because America like literally stands on like upholding democracy, which is what Ukraine had. Things do have a ripple effect. So that's kind of the big news coming out of there this week. Make sure you're registered to vote. Make sure you know where you're voting. Early voting is taking place. Like, just keep that in mind. Make a plan. If you don't know how to do that, please reach out to me. I will help you make a plan. Um, and make sure you're contacting your representatives. Okay. So I'm really excited for this week's episode um, because we are covering Pamela Coleman-Smith. This is her biography. Honestly, I should have done this a very, 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 very long time ago. That is truly on me. Um, and I acknowledge that. So what I've done is if we had an interview with the amazing Ashley last week, I hope you all enjoyed her episode. I really, really love anytime I get to talk to Ashley. And that was super fun for me. But one of the reasons we had an interview last week was because... 
I really, really, really wanted to, as I started researching Pamela Coleman-Smith and I was going through her biography, I was like, oh shit, like literally every single thing this person did in their life is like wildly important. So I went through and I took the extra time and I got, I have, uh, my sources are that Gabe <laughs> for a couple of birthdays ago ordered me two of Pamela Coleman-Smith's books um shorts so one of them is a compilation of short stories called the anansi stories um which is a culmination of stories of jamaican folklore um and they are incredibly beautiful and they have a lot of her artwork and illustrations in it um so i have this i also have a book called susan and the mermaid um the story and pictures are by pamela coleman smith i think for patreon i'm gonna do a reading of it um of the story this week which i'm excited about but the meet the author or about the author on the back was written by Corin Kenner. And I got some information from there and from her. And then I also got information from an article on Artnet because they're doing a uh, it's an art history article. But Pamela Coleman Smith's work, the specifically the Smith Rider Waite Tarot, is being shown in the Whitney Museum of American Art. And. So they wrote an article on her by a woman named Katie White, and this was written in August uh, August 26th of 2022 is when this was published. Listen, I can speak, okay? And it had, I really invite you to read the article. I've kind of taken both of these different biographies of Pamela Coleman-Smith and used them to kind of craft some of my research. I'm going to link this article in the show notes, and then I'm going to link some sort of link to Susan and the Mermaid and her story, the Anansi stories, and I'll have them linked in the show notes as well. The art in these books is spectacular, just absolutely spectacular. I cannot, reading these stories, reading her stories is just amazing. She was not just a painter. She was also an actress and a writer and a drawer and a painter and a photographer. Like she was just an amazing, amazing fucking person. So what we're going to do is I'm going to break down her life. I've got it all written out. I did I did, a, I did the Gabe thing. So what some of you probably don't know, or maybe you do know about me, is that I originally uh, went to school for education um, and got my associate's degree in secondary education. But then I went on to study um, writing and communications with an emphasis in creative writing. Uh, and so I love nothing more than a good fucking research paper. So this is very exciting for me. So... Without further ado, let's jump into Pamela Coleman Smith, her life, her work, and kind of the culmination of it all. Okay. So, Pamela Coleman Smith was born in London in 1878 to American uh, American parents. I'm, I'm putting those in quotation marks. I'm from Brooklyn. Uh, her father was a Caucasian American, and her mother was suspected. There's no actual. Nobody ever wrote down like the ethnicity of Pamela Coleman Smith's mother, but it's suspected that she was Jamaican or even potentially of East Asian heritage. Now, this is important because a lot of Pamela Coleman Smith's work is focused on being other in a time where obviously the the privilege and the emphasis was on white people, specifically white men. And Pamela Coleman Smith was a real power player in the art world. And a lot of her art was fueled by this this whimsical ethereal nature of being other and taking up space in a place that typically women didn't even get to be let alone women who were not white so that's important uh, parents were from Brooklyn. Her father was an auditor for the West India Improvement Company. Uh, they built railroads in Jamaica. Um, so her family traveled 
between London, New York, and the West Indies fairly frequently. Pamela was an only child, um, and she ended up taking a love very early in age to writing, drawing, painting, and performing, which was kind of on par with her family. A lot of her family were involved in the theater. Um, in fact, I think one of her uncles even like made Sherlock Holmes popular, like played Sherlock Holmes and made him popular and made those plays popular on stage throughout America and Europe as well. So her family was no stranger to the arts. Um, when Pamela was a teenager, um, she went on to study at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn, which is uh, an art like institute. Um, it's pretty well known. Uh, Pamela's mother died in 1896 during their stay in Jamaica. And then after that and because of that, Pamela and her father returned to New York. Soon after Pamela started traveling with actors, so soon after her mother's death and re returning to New York, Pamela started traveling with actors from Britain's Lyceum, Lyceum, Lyceum Theater. It's spelled L-Y-C-E-U-M. And it was a theater group um, as they were touring the U.S. Pamela toured with them and mostly helped with costumes and sets, basically working as kind of like backstage, a backstage worker. Um, a set tech, I think, is what they would kind of call that today. Um, but then she would also go on to occasionally act as a background player in crowd scenes. It was during this time traveling with the theater group that Pamela became close with a world-famous actor. Her name was Ellen Terry. Um, she ended up becoming like a second mom to Pamela and was actually the person who bestowed Pamela's nickname upon her, um, which is Pixie. Pixie. Pamela... Pixie Coleman Smith. You'll hear Pixie a lot. In fact, sometimes when uh, Pamela would sign her work, it was with Pixie instead of Pamela. Um, and this was fitting because Pamela Coleman Smith had an absolute fixation with fairies, elves, mermaid, and other sorts of folktale that involved whimsy. She really loved mythology. She really loved folktales, specifically Jamaican folktales and Irish and European folktales, as that's where the bulk of her experience in childhood was spent. Um, so she adopted this nickname of Pixie that would carry on through the rest of her life. Um, eventually, Pamela would be known for her beautiful drawings, her paintings and stories that reflected her more ethereal nature. So um, sometimes when you order a Smith Rider weight deck, you get extra like pictures as kind of just like a like a fun little extra of Pamela Coleman Smith's work. And you'll and you'll see that her art is truly just like so whimsical and fairy in nature. I'm currently flipping through um, Susan and the Mermaid and so much of the work that she did with this story is, I mean, it literally, I, I want to live in her art. It's so beautiful. And I'll post pictures to Instagram as well. So some of you or all of you can see that. I definitely think she is at least worth the Google to see some of her art because it truly is just I don't you can't put like a word on it. It's so ethereal and it's it, it like sucks you in in a way that a lot of people took notice of. In 1897, when Pamela was 19, she began to exhibit paintings and prints at a gallery in New York. This is kind of a big deal because she was literally only 19 and she was a fucking woman. So 
a very big deal. Um, by 1999, Pamela had published a book of folk tales she had learned in Jamaica. Now, that is the Anansi stories um, that I'm currently holding. And I believe that during this time as well, she also published Susan in The Mermaid. She also, uh, The Green Chief was a literary magazine that she started. She also posted a lot of her work in there as well. Um, if you want to, you can literally Google some of that and it'll pop up. And I highly encourage reading some of her work as well as seeing how she illustrated them um, because she published these two books of what their watercolor paintings. Um, and she illustrated a lot of sea shanties and folk songs as well. And you can see some of those works. Uh, through these bodies of work, Pamela met a man named Alfred Steiglitz, Stieglitz, that's S-T-E-I-G-L-I-T-Z, who promoted photography as an art form. That was his thing. It was photography. But he grew so enamored with Pamela's work that he asked her to be the first non-photographer to show her images in his gallery. That's a huge fucking deal. And due to these successes and accolades, Pamela made a name for herself, showing her art as well as sharing her stories, even entertaining Samuel Clemens. That's Mark Twain, y'all. Um, reports say that she even, through these stories, made Samuel Clemens laugh like a child. That's in quotes at her stories. Um, so Pamela just had a, had a beautiful gift of telling stories and performing them as well. In 1999, Pamela's father died as well, and Pamela moved back to London to be closer to Ellen Terry and her friends, one of those friends being Bram Stoker. Yes, the author of Dracula. Um, they became close. She referred to him as Uncle Stoker, um, and eventually he would ask her to illustrate his last novel, a horror story titled The Lair of the White Worm. I did not know this and will be like immediately going to find that because there's nothing more I love than a good horror story. And uh, Pamela Coleman Smith's work. So I literally am going to immediately Google the shit out of that once I'm done recording. Pamela spent her time in London hosting parties, enjoying classical music and painting to it. Um, she favored Debussy and Debussy went on to collect Pamela's work that she created listening to his music. Um, and she would also go on to make a drink popular at that time called the Opal Hush, which is red wine and lemonade. And um, just hearing those things mixed together, I don't want to drink it, but I will. I will be trying it um, out of respect and curiosity. I'm quite curious as to how that would taste together. Pamela is best known today by her work with this, with the <clears throat> on the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck, I refer to it often as the Smith Rider Waite, and a lot of people do. And I'll go on to kind of explain some of the nuance of that later. Arthur Rider Waite was an older man who grew fond of Pamela's work, admiring her innocent approach to the images and symbols of tarot. He called her a most imaginative and abnormally psychic artist. Um, Arthur Rider Waite was a grand wizard of the Hermetic. Order of the Golden Dawn, you know, you know, he was kind of like the head of this mystical movement. Um, one of the people who actually like very much promoted, if you remember the last episode I did, that was not the interview with Ashley. I talked about, you know, occultists really kind of hammering in that tarot was this harkens back from the ancient Egyptians as if they didn't have their own form of divination. Um, and, and so he was one of those people, regardless, his idea was that he and Pamela were going to create a deck together. He worked very, very close with Pamela on the art and the symbology of the major arcana, which, you know, does seem in a lot of ways fairly similar compared to other deck styles like the Marseille or the Visconti. But it was Pamela Coleman Smith who really took the lead with the minor arcana. And I'll get to that. 
To create the cards, Pamela researched other decks that were held at the British Museum, using that and her own earlier work as inspiration. She completed her work on the deck in mere months, having done, um, having been done with the minor, having, excuse me, I can speak, okay? I can read my own handwriting. Y'all don't know, but my handwriting is utter shit. I can, I have terrible handwriting. So she did with the minor arcana what no one had done before, and that was that she created unique imagery that had meaning for each card. So in a lot of decks before this, it's not as much the case now, but it definitely was before this. When you were looking at the minor arcana, you were essentially looking at like pips. So you were looking at like a symbol, which was like, you know, the pentacles. And instead of like having like a picture and like the four of pentacles where Pamela Coleman Smith painted this person holding on to pentacles by his head and in his arms and by and by their feet, uh, people would just draw four pentacles. And that was that was the minor arcana. What Pamela did was she used her intuition and her artistry to create, oh my God, like 50 something unique pictures that really are just filled to the brim with imagery and symbology and meaning and clues and Easter eggs. She did she did what nobody else had done before. Um, she painted these cards in months. She painted them between April and October of 1909 and was reportedly paid very little for her work. She eventually would go on to send a letter to Alfred um, Stieglitz, um, just kind of like talking to him about what she was working. She said that she had been working on a large project for very little cash. So she did not make much money off her work, nor was her name originally included in the title of the deck. She put so much work into and her name was not she was not accredited, nor was she paid um, for her work. It, she was not paid what she was due for it. Um, Pamela eventually was left a small inheritance from her uncle after World War One, which made it possible for her to move out of London into a small home by the British shore in Booth, London. When she died in 1951, everything was sold to pay off her debts. Pamela never married, but did have a longtime female roommate and new roommates. Um, her name was Nora Lake. It, um, Nora Lake was Pamela's companion and business partner, and it is very heavily speculated that they were, in fact, lovers. Listen, Pamela Coleman Smith herself is not here to tell me her sexuality, um, nor is she here to tell me if her and sweet Nora were actually roommates or they were lovers. But I will say this. History has a really heavy handed hist history has a very heavy handed history of saying that people were roommates when they were actually very much in a relationship. So I'll leave you with that. Um Pamela eventually retreated from the art world. She dedicated herself to work in women's suffrage and the Red Cross. She converted to Catholicism when she moved to Bood, London, and then died at 73, essentially penniless. It would take more than a century for Pamela to be credited for her work with the crazily popular Rider Waite deck. It became the Smith, the Rider Waite Smith over 100 years later, most referring to it now as the Smith Rider Weight. This is important because when you are buying decks that are the Smith Rider Weight decks or the Rider Weight Smith decks, you have to be sure that you are buying it with her name in it, with Smith in it, for her remaining family to see any of the proceeds from that. Um, and even if they're not seeing much proceeds, which they should be, um, it's very important to buy that with her name because Pamela truly did 
the majority of the work. And as we all know, and what we'll see as we move through season three of this podcast is that a lot of the meanings and definitions that Arthur Ryder Waite put into these cards have evolved specifically because of Pamela Coleman's work, artistry and intuition. She was an amazing person with an amazing, colorful life. And she died with very little money after creating the most popular tarot deck in the world. Everybody knows the imagery of the Rider Waite Smith deck. Everybody does. Even back to, I've known it since I was a kid and I saw Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy in theaters for the first time. The whole title credit scene is just filled with tarot cards flipping over. And they're all the Smith Rider Waite deck. But it would go a hundred years before Pamela was ever actually credited for any of the work that she did. And she wasn't even paid that much at the time for the work she did do. So, and she completely revolutionized the way that we read tarot. She completely revolutionized the way we create tarot, how we think about tarot and, and how we attribute the meanings. Um, at least she has for me and the way that I do this podcast. So, and I'm going to put a link to these stories, um, that you can go buy them or look at them in the show notes. I will also be putting a link to this art history article as well so that you can give it a read because Katie White did a very good job creating that article. And this is kind of a culmination of my research of all of it. I am very grateful to have been able to discover the works of Pamela Coleman Smith and her art in general, just even beyond what she did for tarot is truly something to behold. And I highly recommend everybody spend time looking at that. Um, but as we all know, it is the part of the podcast where I once again forgot that I have to do a collective reading. So I'm just throwing cards across my bed. I Nobody trusts me with fucking anything. Hey, so uh, for the next week, here's the collective reading. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> mm, you'd think I'd know how to do this by now. Uh, it's the High Priestess. So that's card two in the Major Arcana. The High Priestess is very much about living in an in-between state, not so much dealing with like the binary of good versus bad, black versus white, you know, like uh, night versus day, like and instead living in like this in-between kind of mentality where you're you're really listening to what you know and trusting yourself and rather than like paying attention to specifically what the world wants you to think like it's what it's got to be this way or that way my way or the high you know highway type mentality you really kind of look in the in-between so you know if you're having a fight with your partner see where you can meet in the middle if you're really confused about what you should do about something really center yourself and your needs rather than trying to make a decision based off of what other people think you should do or other people think is right really center yourself in that conversation and ask yourself, what do I want and need out of this? If I didn't care about who I was trying to live up to or whose expectations I was trying to accommodate, what do I really want? That doesn't mean that you have to make that decision, but it is going to help you a lot simply knowing where you specifically stand with something. Um, the high priestess is very much about that internal knowledge and trusting the self. And also, and I think this is a missed piece of the card as well. Um, it's also this idea of sitting in the middle of two binary thoughts and allowing yourself to find that truth somewhere in the middle and trusting yourself to find it. Okay. Uh, I just spat a whole bunch of information at you. 
I hope you enjoyed all of this on Pamela Coleman Smith. I highly, highly encourage you to do your own research, to read more about her, and to read some of her short stories because they are beautiful. She was a beautiful writer. Everything she ever painted, it looked like it was like touched by a fucking god. So I highly, highly recommend looking that up. And also, again, most people probably do already own some version of the Smith Rider Weight, but if you are buying it or you're going to buy a deck after this, please be sure that the name Smith is in the title. Um, it's very, very important that even posthumously we are buying work that she is being credited for, and hopefully some of those royalties are going back to what family she has left or whatever you know institutes that she put up for her money to go. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Anyway, just keep that in mind. Um, okay, bye. Listen, I'm a little discombobulated, um, and that is because I have had five cups of coffee. Um, and that's my bad. That's truly, that's my bad. But, um, if you like this podcast, please consider rating, subscribing and reviewing. It helps put the podcast up there. And once we hit 300 view reviews between Spotify and Apple, Gabe and I are going to have a pie war. Well, we will throw pie at each other. I also just want to highlight the fact that I got a review that I read a couple of days ago. Um, no, two days ago, it finally popped up and it said that they really appreciated my Monty Python and Sarah J. Mass references. And I just want you to know that I love you. You, you, you specific person. I love you and I appreciate you and I appreciate you knowing my Monty Python references. And I appreciate that you also love Sarah J. Mass. Okay, goodbye now.